as an artist, once you start sharing your music or even creating it, you will be asked, well, what's different about you? What's special about you? Why does the music industry need your music? And what I want to remind everyone is that's a rhetorical marketing-based question mm. that has nothing to do with you as a human and as an artist, right? You, as a human, before you even get out of bed, have intrinsic value, 100%. And your art, anything that you have to say, anything that you have to contribute to the world has value. And the rest of us need to hear it. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm going to share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're going to show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so I'm excited to be here today with Melissa Mulligan. Melissa is a vocals and branding coach who's been you know, helping artists for over two decades now. She's worked with professional recording artists like AJR, Chelsea Cutler, Jeremy Zucker, Newfound Glory. <laughs> when I saw that, I was I was really hyped because I, I mean, I grew up listening to Newfound Glory and on on tour in the van, you know, like there's a lot of songs that really relate to that that lifestyle. So that was super cool. And uh, currently, yeah. she's working as a vocal consultant for major labels, music industry professionals. Her students have been signed to major record labels, toured around the world, won platinum and gold records, and performed on all the late night and daytime talk shows. So, you know, she has a huge amount of experience and worked with some really amazing people. And specifically, I think today, what we're going to focus on is, as an artist, really clarifying your artist identity and um, how you show up and what kind of distinguishes you from from other musicians so that you can be authentic to your to yourself but also to to be able to resonate and find the right people who are going to really uh, understand your message and to you know to resonate with it so you can grow your audience so melissa thanks so much for taking the time to be here today oh thank you for having me i'm thrilled oh yeah so uh, to start out with uh, i'd love to hear a little bit about your story and kind of how, how you got started in this role well, you know, I, I come to this world as a singer and a songwriter and an artist myself. And, you know, I remember growing up wanting to take voice lessons and wanting to get help. And there's this disconnect, right, between academic, you know, classical music training, music theory, all of those things, and the creative urges that an artist has, you know, and I found that I could get really high quality training in certain aspects of music, but not a lot of help on the creative side. And, and I would often run into situations where, you know, a voice teacher or a classroom would be telling me that what I wanted to do was just flat out wrong. <laughs> so on one hand, it, it made it harder for me to find freedom as an artist because I was worried that there was a right way to do things and I couldn't find it, you know? And as a people pleaser, I think a lot of artists want that validation, you know? When I got to be a little bit older, when I was in like, I'd say my late teens and early 20s, I realized that there wasn't solid vocal training available for people who wanted to do rock, pop punk, alternative music. And so those people, just vocal coaches wouldn't even touch them. You know, like Jordan from Newfound Glory, when we first met, you know, he's like, you're a voice teacher. <laughs> Talk to me, you know? So, you know, I, I just think there was this, this lack of, of respect for creative oddball people like me in the coaching arena. And so that was really when I got this idea of like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to create it then. I'm going to create a space where oddball, weirdo, artistic people could have respect, healthy voices, solid anatomical training, whatever they need, but more than anything, like respect and love and appreciation and validation for their art form. Mm. That's so good. It kind of reminds me too of, you know, I'm taking a course with Ryan Tedder right now. And, you know, and Ryan Tedder is just like a master at the top of his game. And one of the points that he just brought up um, and really like made like a whole, like it's several times kind of alluded to this is that 
the technical aspect of like, you know, the music theory and all the chords isn't the most important thing. And that really there's something more fundamental. And like a lot of the way that, that he processes things and works things is based on what sounds good <laughs> and playing around with things and, and not necessarily like what's proper or what's like you know, the right or the wrong way to do it. And that it's more about, you know, finding you know, your authentic voice and, and kind of acknowledging that he doesn't even know where some of the magic comes from with like the, like the melodies just kind of like come to him. And it's more about getting out of your own way and allowing it to kind of flow through you. So I love that you've kind of created this, this space for people that doesn't necessarily, it sounds like doesn't necessarily indicate that there's a right, a hard right or a hard wrong way to do things. And that sometimes there's a more nuanced approach. And, you know, certainly there's, there's uh, different techniques and, and tactics and whatnot and, and rights. And like, there's more black and white things there, but with something like art, you know, like there's, there's so much, um, so much creative flexibility to it. It's kind of like a right brain type of thing. And um, that's awesome. So working with all these, all these creatives, musicians, creating this community, I'm sure that you see a lot of patterns or a lot of similar challenges and, and things coming up that, that people need to, need to go through. What are some of the biggest challenges that you see musicians struggling with when it comes to, you know, to expressing themselves and, and establishing their, their artist identity? That's a great question. Most of the problems that I see are, you know, people trying too hard to figure out the marketing worrying about that, stressing about that, rather than, you know, taking a good hard look at themselves and what they want to say. It's hard, right? You know, it's, we're, we're asking artists to be introspective, real, authentic people, but we're also asking artists to do something we didn't used to ask artists to do, which is produce your own music, run your own social media, figure out your brand, figure out your identity, right? It used to be, you know, you were crazy talented and somebody could discover you and figure all that out for you. Mm. Nowadays, artists, I think, are hip to the fact that they've got to have a sense of what that is. And it gets them into a harmful headspace really early on. You know, mm. if you're 16 and you're writing songs and somebody's telling you you need to figure out your brand, fire that person. If you're 16 and you're writing songs, you should be exploring every DAW, every instrument, every lyrical style, everything you want to say and letting it come together organically. By the way, if you're 36 and you're feeling a little lost creatively and you're not sure what you want to do creatively, live there. That is where the magic happens. The answer won't be found in, I need to figure out my brand. Do I wear a hat? What are my colors? You know, take a step back and just like make music, make great art, you know, and then it's much easier to describe unique art. If you're not making unique art yet, then the descriptor, the descriptors aren't really going to help you. Does that make sense? It seems like there's a lot of cart before the horse stuff that people fall into. Yeah, I, I think that totally makes sense. So it sounds like one mistake is wanting to kind of put the cart before the horse in the sense of trying too hard to make an impression or to, to, to figure out your brand, as opposed to acknowledging, especially like early on, you know, when you, you need to explore and it's, a, it's more about self-discovery and about openness and willingness to try and experiment and to acknowledge, like, I don't know who I am <laughs> and I'm, I'm discovering who I am through the experiences that, that I'm having, but being willing to acknowledge that and, and let your, let that be okay, being uncomfortable with that process, which allows you to have more creative flow. Yeah. And if you happen to be in a, in a meeting with somebody that you think is important or somebody at a label or, you know, somebody like Michael or me or, you know, right. And someone says like, well, what kind of music do you make? If you were to say, I'm on a journey and I'm pulling in elements from like youth jazz ensemble and my current affinity for hip hop and Dua Lipa, that's fascinating to somebody in the industry. There's this myth out there that you have to pretend you have to have this slick elevator pitch immediately and you have to know what genre you fit into and what that kind of idea is sort of dead, you know, so you can feel free to, to be authentic and say I'm figuring it out and I'm inspired by these specific things and it's going to come together and it's going to be great, you know, that that's a much better elevator pitch to, you know, this is who I am as an artist. 
than that fake facade of I'm totally slick and I've got it all figured out right now. Mm, that's so good. Yeah, that's that's so interesting too because it seems like the people who are at the top of their game, a lot of times they have this underlying understanding of like the more I see the less I know you know and, and they kind of like even yeah. as established as they are like they 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 understand and they appreciate this that um there's a lot that that they don't know and they're still and like it seems like our, our life's work is almost a journey of self-discovery and as soon as we think we know who we are it's like oh guess what you're not actually that you're not that that job or that role or that thing that you know now that's gone so you know what what is it who are you really you know, but but it is interesting how there is kind of that balance, right? Of of being able to communicate and express who you are in a way that is relatable and understandable. So how how does someone let's say that someone's listening to this right now and they're kind of they that's this one thing that they are really struggling with or they're trying to figure out like, you know, who am I and and what is my unique edge and what's my artist identity and like how how do they kind of get started with discovering or expressing themselves? I know you mentioned a little bit about like experimentation, but you know, what, what does that look like in your experience? Yeah, sure. I think if you're listening and you are not yet in a DAW, right? If you're not yet recording at home in Logic or Ableton or Luna or Studio One or something like that, if if you're not in a DAW yet, I would start there because that is where you can say, okay, I wrote this song on piano, but I'm going to build it up without using piano as my main instrument. I'm going to start somewhere else. And I'm just going to, you have to be willing to suck at this and not have it work out right away, but pull in different instruments that you would normally not use, just fool around with different sounds. You need to have those happy accidents and you will wind up with something that's kind of new and, and different, you know? And then once you start to figure out, and you can, you know, make a Spotify playlist of like, I love the kick drum sound in this song, or I love the guitar sound in this song. I hate the song, but I love that guitar sound, you know, um, to give you some things to try and recreate, you know, when you're experimenting. You'll come up with something weird that no one's ever heard before. And then your artist identity just comes down to wordsmithing a description, which you might need some help with. Not everybody's great at boiling it down to a two sentence or three, sens three sentence description. But you know, in our mastermind programs, we've had people go from, well, I like country and I like alternative. So I guess I'm country alternative to saying, I am like, if Emmy Lou Harris fronted Nirvana and we were produced by Pharrell Williams. Mm. Like that's a dope description, right? Mm. That's, but, but it takes experimentation and getting some things together, I think, before you can wordsmith it that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really smart. And, and I also I found that that's a great way to describe um, if you're kind of struggling to communicate, you know, what, um, what you sound like to someone else, like if you can share, it's like this person and this person, and this person had a baby and like, they all came together and it's like that, that that's like a, a really natural model for, for, um, for, you know, kind of attaching it to something that people can, can grasp, understand also really effective for like, for marketing. You know, if you're, if you're reaching out to people and you're like, what, and you reach out to people who are fans of those artists and you say, it's like they had a baby with, with this band, a lot of times that's a really powerful way to like, you know, to communicate it really quickly before they listen to the songs. I also want to piggyback off, off what you just said in terms of like, of modeling and recreating elements of your favorite songs and your favorite artists. This is one thing that Ryan Tedder talked about in, in the course is like, um, being willing, like all of the most successful songwriters are, you know, they're learning from each other and they're taking things and like, they're literally like listening to the top songs and then they're like, you know, re-spinning it um, in, in their own way. And that, you know, it's kind of like that book, Steal, Steal Like an Artist, where it's it's okay to to model and to reference things that that you really like and maybe even recreate them in a DAW and then, you know, and then take the instruments that you use to create those sounds and just turn them into something new and add your own unique twist to it. So I, I love the the advice to, you know, to, to get into the DAW and just start exploring, exploring your sound and see, see what comes out and, and modeling things. 
So what are, what are some other you know, mistakes or, or challenges or things that you see coming up um, as like a pattern for musicians who are, who are at that stage? Sure. Well, I mean, definitely, you know, we talked about the cart before the horse problem, but I think, you know, overall, I think it's difficult to know where you are on your roadmap. You know, um, it's difficult to know maybe even what the music industry landscape looks like today. So a lot of artists will, you know, come to me saying, I want to release an album. And my question is always, well, why? You know, well, because I'm hoping I want to get signed, you know, and I think now is the time or all of my fans, you know, all 50 of my fans want me to have an album out, you know, breaking that down, we can often figure out that what you really should be doing is releasing singles and building an audience. And there's no such thing as getting discovered and getting signed to a label anymore without you getting yourself from zero to 80 to 85% of the way there. And oh, wait a minute, you don't actually play any instruments. Okay, wait a minute, you don't actually work in a DAW yet. Okay, so let's back up. You know, what you were really looking for was to spend tens of thousands of dollars on a producer, you know, and then hope that you were going to drop an album on Spotify and magic was going to happen. So there's really no plan. There's really no roadmap. There's really no solid understanding of what this landscape actually looks like. So let's back it way up and let's figure out a way for you to become creatively brilliant, completely self-sufficient and savvy. Mm. You know, those are probably the, the three main things that artists need to have today. The fourth would be emotional resilience, obviously. Um, so I think just not understanding those three big buckets, you know, and, and um, wanting to just throw a bunch of money and a bunch of effort at something without maybe putting in the time in whatever phase you should be in is probably the main problem that I think people have that they struggle with. Mm. Mm, that's so good. You know, I, ironically, it, it seems like the more self-resilient you are, the more attractive you are to record labels and to getting those opportunities, you know, it's versus, you know, if you're like really, really are, like are desperate and you really feel like you need a record label, then that's very unattractive to record label. And you spend so much time and, and wasted money and effort trying, trying to do that. So it sounds like what you're recommending is, is really starting with yourself and getting things to a point where you have something that's self-sufficient and then using that as, you know, maybe a record label could be more like gasoline that you pour on a fire, but the, the fire needs to be started already. Yeah. I mean, if you have, and you know, you and I talked about this when we first met, right? Like if you have super fans, evangelical fans, you have a lot of options, you know, you may be getting good deal offers. You may not need them or want them, but that's where you're empowered and you're in control of your career. And in my opinion, you really have to be self-sufficient in your skill bases today in order to drive that and really mm. make that happen. Mm. Awesome. So, uh, so maybe we could dig a little bit into that idea of self-sufficiency and some of those skill sets that, that you're talking about that, that are really like important skill sets to develop for, for anyone, even if eventually you get to a point where you need to start like delegating or outsourcing some stuff. What would you say are like, you know, a few of the most important skill sets that you would recommend people who are listening right now to like, you know, mark off on a list and to start thinking about proactively, how can I start to improve these specific skill sets? Well, home production for sure, top of the list, no doubt about it. Second would be your musicianship. You know, you don't have to be an amazing virtuoso player of anything, but in my opinion, the world opens up to you. If you can speak the language of music with other musicians, just you no know, chords and how they tend to flow together. If you can accompany yourself while you're writing. And by the way, the more savvy you get with musicianship and production, the more you can collaborate with people from home, which mm. I've been yelling about for five years, but really became a big issue, right? During this pandemic era, the artists I work with who were uh, tech savvy were able to collaborate with producers and other musicians across the country and make great music happen. 
To that end, I think too, um, starting to learn more about some video editing, even just getting some apps, learning a little bit more about uh, visual content creation is amazing. It's an amazing skill to have today. And then lastly, lastly would be starting to learn more about the marketing, the social media, you know, advertising funnels, you know, things like that. The one thing I left out for now, of course, is adding a ton of creative thought into your live show. Mm. You know, right now that's not the biggest focus, but a big mistake that I see a lot of artists make is they just want to play well and have great stage presence. That's not going to blow anybody's mind visually or experientially. So the same amount of creativity that I recommend you put into your songs, I eventually will be recommending you put into how you're going to bring that experience to people live. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so good. I mean, clearly right now with like the pandemic live shows, they are kind of at, at a halt, but it does seem like we're kind of turning around the corner and things are going to start opening back up and there's be a huge need. Like there's gonna be so many people who want to connect and come out to, to live shows. One, um, one example of with Paradise Fears, like this was my favorite tour of, that we ever did. And I know for most of our fans who like attended uh, like several different tours, like this was like the one that stuck out was the one that was probably the most creative idea for the tour, which is we called the Acoustic and the Round Tour. And basically we brought our own stage set up in the center of the room and like we were just surrounded by people from on all sides. And there's a speaker in the middle of, of the room that, you know, there was no, like all of us were listening to the same mix and we were all like, you're hearing it together. And then people are literally like within like a foot away from like each of us as we were performing. And it was just like a really special experience and very like, you know, felt very, very connected. And that's, that seems to me like an example of what you're describing with like bringing something, like making something, unique or making it like different and in, in a way that just kind of shifts things on, on its side can, can be really valuable. One thing that, that I wanted to, to ask, because I think you're 100% on point in terms of like all those skills that you just mentioned are so, so important to, to cultivate and to learn over time. And yeah, I think that for a lot of us, especially nowadays, you know, there's just, there's almost an overwhelming amount of information and an overwhelming amount of stuff to do. And a lot of us feel like we don't have enough time for, for all these different things that, that we want to, we want to do. And like, we're spending all these different plates. So I'm curious to hear if you have any thoughts or like a framework in terms of like how best ways to accumulate new skills and like, do you like, like budget a certain amount of time? Like you're like, okay, so for a 30 day challenge, I'm going to do every single day, I'm going to like spend an hour learning this skill or do you have any thoughts just in terms of like some, some of the best ways to, to actually acquire and accumulate those skills? Sure. My mentor and someone that I coach alongside with all the time is Grammy, multi-Grammy winning producer, Mike Mangini. And I, I bring him up because I think he's got some amazing ways of teaching this and he's made himself more and more available this year than he ever has before. But Mike's, you know, worked with everyone from well, the Jonas Brothers to AJR, Katy Perry, Jackie Avenco, David Byrne from the Talking Heads, um, Smash Mouth. I mean, it's just 35 years of experience. And um, Mike runs these six-week production masterminds where he, I think it's super brilliant. So one night a week, there's a, a group Zoom call where he takes you through like a certain skill set and it, they build on each other week after week. But then the second class, the people in the class share their screens and their audio in stereo. And he can take over your screen and drive it and like help you make what's in your head come out of your speakers back at you. But then as he gets to know you guys through the end of the class, you're driving. Like he's not taking over your screen. He might talk you through, I hear this, I hear that. And what we found is in six weeks, people's skill sets go through the roof, as does the creativity. Because you think about it, you're watching Mike co-produce all these other people who are doing things you would never think to do to begin with. So mm -hmm. now suddenly you're learning how to do things you wouldn't even asked about. 
So, you know, I know that I'm incredibly biased, but if I thought there was a better answer, I would give it to you. <laughs> in terms of learning production, you could watch YouTube tutorials, you could put in 30 minutes, 45 minutes a day. What I'm seeing though, is in those six weeks, I'm seeing people's skills, like I said, evolve, you know, two years worth in that six week period. So that is my favorite recommendation. Mm, that's, that's so important. And I mean, I, I see this reflected across all of my mentors and like the most successful people that they have a propensity of finding mentors or finding talent of people like wherever, whatever they're looking to grow in, they find people who are currently doing it or have developed the experience and learn from them as directly as possible. And I, and I think you're right that nowadays, especially there's so much opportunity to learn from these mentors, literally like people like Ryan Tedder and people, what was the, what was the name of the producer that you recommended to the multi-platinum producer who's doing the six week uh, masterminds? Yeah. Mike Manny, um, he does it through through our company. It's called the Music Production Mastermind. Mm. And it's on our site, mastermindroad.com. The, the winter session, I think, starts late February for this. But I mean, you can get in touch with me or, or him and you know, I'll help you figure it out if that's something that you, know, you think makes sense. But um, yeah, I agree. I think if you're going to invest some time and some money in something, I would invest it in great coaching. Yeah. Um, it, 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 sorry, sorry to cut you off there too. And so one thing, we'll definitely put the, the link so, so people can go check that out because yeah, I, I think it's super, super valuable to have mentorship from people who have a ton of experience. And like, and I, and one thing that popped in, popped into my mind that I really wanted to share was uh, the Abraham Lincoln quote of, you know, if you give me a day to cut down a tree or something, like I'm going to spend the first half an hour sharpening the saw. And, you know, there's something like so beautiful about that analogy, especially in regards to things like what we're talking about right now, where it's like, literally, you could spend 30 years of your life, you know, just on your own, trying to quote, unquote, cut down this tree with a dull blade, right? And it's like, you'll make progress, but like, it's going to take so long and so much effort and energy. And in the long term, it's going to waste a lot of time and money. And, and, and if you can find someone to sharpen the saw and that's just going to give you so much so much leverage to learn quicker and there's there's no real good excuses nowadays to to not find those people and to to learn from them that you know that i think is it's really important it's why we're here right now is so that we can help you know the people who are listening to avoid the same mistakes that 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 we made and to learn quicker and, and we're all learning together so yeah. um yeah i think well, it's awesome yeah. You guys are doing. That's why I wanted to work with you, right? You know, like, okay, you know, here's somebody who's who's in a got a very specific skill set that I deem is is really valuable that that I want to learn and I want to know. And um, it is the most efficient, enjoyable way for me to learn what it is I want to learn, you know, and have the help while I'm doing it. So yeah, I think you and I are alike in that way, right? Just constantly seeking the the mentorship and the coaching and the guidance. Mm -hmm. And it never, and it never stops too. like the people, like my mentors, like they have mentors themselves who are like at, at higher levels. And there, there's something beautiful, beautiful about that. I'm, I'm reading a book right now called The Selfish Gene. It's kind of like, it's like a heady kind of book about our, our genes and the way that DNA like replicates. But anyways, the, it, it, it almost, like a lot of the, the thoughts and the ideas and the experience, the culture that we have, I feel like is sort of like, comes together it's like these different thought babies are formed from like different um fields and different different ways of thinking and that um even what you're, what you're talking about earlier with referencing your influences and in, in th thinking about it in terms of oh it's like this person this person had a baby it seems like a lot of the a lot of the new genres or new kind of creative music styles that that come out are sort of like birthed from two different genres coming together and creating something kind of unique kind of like the same way that two humans come together and they create a baby and the baby is but neither neither parent but is also something like it's its own and it's different but it's also um it's born of those those two parents yeah for sure i mean i i spend every day listening to the music that you know people between the ages of let's say 15 to 23 make um because in addition to you know the the industry professionals that i coach i run these coaching programs 
for like younger aspiring professionals. And most of them are making radio ready, Spotify, you know, they're, they're killing it, right? With, with the music they're making on their own. But I can tell you that generation, there is no genre. There, it is not even a blend of two or three genres. It is simply whatever, <laughs> mm-hmm. whatever. But it's very describable. You just describe it in a different way. You know, you would describe the instrumentation and the sound of someone's voice, maybe, you know, ukulele with trap beats. And the voice maybe is like if Ingrid Michaelson met Ella Fitzgerald. It's, it's this brilliant, brilliant mosaic style music. And we could have, you know, 30 people in a Zoom listening session and every single person is completely unique from the other. It's, they're, they're the coolest generation of musicians I've ever heard, I have to say. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. And it does seem like there's just an explosion in creativity because of the, the, the access of the tools that we have that we can create, you know, what used to take tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars to record, um, or just even wasn't even possible. Like you can do now for, you know, for a few hundred dollars, what people couldn't do with hundreds of thousands of dollars, 10 or 20 years ago. That's insane. It, It also seems like, you know, the, in every, in every solution, there's a problem and every problem, there's a solution. But, you know, one of the, the problems that arises from this explosion of creativity and in artwork is a feeling of being lost in the noise and, you know, and being able to, you know, to feel like, like we, uh, we have like value or that we're doing something different. And, and so one thing, you know, we had talked about this the last time that, that we had talked was a little bit about this idea of intrinsic, intrinsic value and people having, you know, belief and, and who they are and, and being willing to, to show up. Um, could you, could you talk a little bit about that, um, that idea of, of having an intrinsic value? Yes. Cause it, it kind of circles back to the artist identity question, right? As an artist, once you start sharing your music, or even creating it, you will be asked, well, what's different about you? What's special about you? Why does the music industry need your music? And what I wanna remind everyone is, that's a rhetorical marketing-based question Mm. that has nothing to do with you as a human and as an artist, right? You, as a human, before you even get out of bed, have intrinsic value, 100%. And your art, anything that you have to say, anything that you have to contribute to the world has value. And the rest of us need to hear it. Like whatever's in your heart, we need to hear, first of all. And you might need help describing what is unique and special about you. That doesn't mean that there is nothing unique and special about you. It's a descriptor that they're asking for, not proof that you are valuable, you know? The universe doesn't play cool cosmic tricks on your heart. It doesn't put these dreams and desires to make music and share it with the world upon you, only to make it impossible for you to do and worthless for you to try, (laughs) you know? That's not how life works, you know? So if you're looking for proof that you're good enough, I would just ask you to instead check in with yourself and look for proof that you want this, that it lights you up, that participating in the creation of music lights you up. That is the only proof you need that you're on the right path and that this is meant to be a big part of your life. I don't think anybody can guarantee monetization to a certain extent, because that really has nothing to do with anything, you know? but yeah, it, there, the music that you make that's coming out of your body and your brain is something that the world needs to hear. That's why you have a desire to make it. Oh, what's up, guys? So quick intermission from the podcast so I can tell you about an awesome free gift that I have for you. I wanted to share something that's not normally available to the public. They normally reserve for our $5,000 clients that we work with personally. This is a presentation called Six Steps to Explode Your Fan Base and Make a Profit with Your Music Online. And specifically, we're gonna walk through how to build a paid traffic and automated funnel that's gonna allow you to grow your fan base online and the system's designed to get you to your first $5,000 a month with your music. 
We've invested over $130,000 in the past year to test out different traffic sources and different offers and really see what's working best right now for musicians. And so I think it's gonna be hugely valuable for you. And so if that's something you're interested in, in the description, there should be a little link that you can click on to go get that. And uh, the other thing I want to mention is, you know, if you want to do us a, a huge favor, one thing that really makes a big difference early on when you're creating a new podcast is if people click subscribe, then it basically lets the algorithm know that this is something that's new and noteworthy and that uh, people actually want to hear. And so that'll help us reach a lot more people. So if you're getting value from this and you get value from the free trainings, then if you want to do us a favor, I'd really appreciate you clicking the subscribe button. All right, let's get back to the podcast. That's so good. I got goosebumps several times as you're sharing that. I think you're you're right that and I know I've heard a quote that you know, much more poetically puts this idea, but something about how what the world needs more than anything is it needs for you to to show up and to to be yourself. And like in a symbolic way, it's kind of like we each have a flashlight or like we each have a light that we're like emitting and that through that expression of who we are that that light it has the power to enlighten the people around us and that music is one of those sacred things that really like you you expressing yourself and sharing who you are and um and shining that light has the ability to really resonate with people who are in a dark dark place or who struggled with the things that you struggled with and you know where does music come from where does really good music come from it comes from that process of expressing an emotion and help and resonating with other people who also have that emotion there, and there can be something really so so powerful about that connection that happens so i think you're right that we don't have to necessarily seek ourselves in someone or something else and a lot of times it's just about, you know, letting go and, and more truly expressing, expressing that and, and, and having appreciation for that and, and realizing that you have intrinsic value that, that you can share with that. I've never met someone who makes music who says they make music because they want to be rich and famous. I mean, when it comes right down to it, everyone says, I want to share, I want to connect, I want to change people's lives. I want to change the world. I want other people like me to feel heard and seen. I mean, we do this because we want to make connections. So why would you disconnect from your essential self in order to try and be more successful, right? Because what you really want is to be seen and heard authentically, you know? So you're kind of killing your own dream the second you start disconnecting from who you are trying to please everybody, trying to seek an algorithm, you know, you have to always bring it back home to the reason I'm doing this is to make real connections with humans. And as you pointed out, that's what people respond to anyway, you know, is you showing up and and being authentic. And I always tell the people that I work with, you know, you brought up the flashlight, which I love. I always say like, shine brightly so that others may see their own goodness, their own value. Like you can illuminate other people's worth when you're brave enough to show up and shine. You know, you give other people permission to do the same when you do that. That's that's so good too. And that is an important distinction too. I think that, you know, that your light often shines brightest when you're not necessarily focused on yourself and like your ego and kind of like this, like, like it's more about, providing value for other people and shining a light on other people and encouraging them and inspiring them. And that that's, that's almost like a, a more true representation of, of yourself than, you know, this idea or of who you are, like the, the ego side of it. I think about that a lot as, as a mentor, especially with like the, the younger people that I work with, like, yes, I show up and I, tell them when I'm having, you know, an insecure moment once in a while. And, you know, I let, I let them see that I'm vulnerable, but I also make a conscious effort to hold myself accountable to like celebrate my wins and celebrate my gratitudes and have good self-esteem. I want to model that and show that, you know, you shouldn't be afraid to shine. You know, you've, you've got to I think we as adults need to make sure that, you know, young people understand that, that self-deprecation isn't maybe as cool as it's made out to be all the time. 
Yeah, no, that's that's so good. I think that there, there's something so powerful about uh, using that as a motivation to, to be a good role model. You know, like I, I know for, for me and for, for our kids, like that's something that's hugely motivating. It's like a huge driver. It's just to be the best role model for them and to, to encourage them to be their, their best selves. And same thing with, with our artists that, that we're mentoring as well is, you know, that there's a new sense of purpose when you can really focus on being the best version of yourself so that you can, you can be a good role model for, for other people as well. You know, one thing that we had talked a little bit about last time that we talked that, that I wanted to bring up is the zone, the zone, kind of this, this zone of like flow that, um, artists in particular, I'm sure everyone here has had this happen. And that's probably part of the reason that you wanted, you would want to be a musician is because you've experienced this state of flow and this state of connection and being in the zone where time sort of faded away. And I was curious to kind of hear some of your thoughts about that zone and like where the magic comes from and how people can, you know, can get into that, that creative zone. Yeah. Well, I'm a big fan of uh, growth mindset, obviously, but when it comes to creativity, I talk about it in terms of open versus closed mindset. And there's a great John Cleese video. It's like a talk that he gave to a convention, I think, about creativity and this study that he did. I'll send it to you, Michael, if you've never seen it before, because you'll love it. So creativity needs open-endedness, and no outcome and no deadlines and a lot of humor and a lot of playfulness. So if you can just force yourself to have that point of view on demand, then you will always, you know, have great, have great results, but that can be a little bit difficult, right? So I really like for artists to have some creative tools, some prompts that they can fool around with that work for them. You know, one of the industry's favorites is take a song that you love, rearrange the chords, and then write a lyrical response to that song. So if I was going to reply to Adele's Someone Like You, I would write it from the perspective of like, hey, crazy lady on my doorstep knocking on my door in the middle of the night and screaming at me, never mind, I'll find someone else. That's nuts, right? Like that, (laughs) I think the or preposterous, but so, um, but it's not meant to be a song that you keep or a song that you use. It just takes all that pressure off of starting from scratch, staring at a blank screen, you know, staring at a blank piece of paper. But yeah, the the mindset is is really everything. You know, finding time to create and play without consequence is usually what what gets people into the zone. Mm. Good stuff. So, so it sounds like what you're saying is that um, it helps to sometimes have prompts or have like a canvas. You know, there's almost like something that's kind of counterintuitive or like paradoxical about intentionally setting limits on ourselves, creative limits to allow us to be more creative, you know, kind of the, the same way oh, that yeah. having like a canvas, or like a paintboard, or having a prompt or having an idea, um, even though it's like a closed playground that kind of gives you the ability to kind of let your creativity out within the confines of that playground. I'd love to hear a few, a few other examples of that. That prompt was awesome. Um, basically taking, taking a song, one of your favorite songs and writing a response to it and playing around with, with the, the vibe of it. Um, whatever, you know, maybe one or two other prompts that you see um, people really resonating with or having a, being a good kind of framework to start with. Sure. I like to do a lot of, you know, random word prompts for, uh, for topics. Um, I even at one point gave a bunch of my, my clients, I made them a little card deck of like adjectives and pretty nouns and stuff, but you can get a magnetic poetry kit. You can put, you know, little words and um, ideas into a, a jar and pick them out for yourself. You can get a random word generator app for your phone and you just, you have to write your way from one word to the other. Even if you don't use those words, you know, that's the prompt. Uh, one of the guys on our team, Grammy Emmy winning songwriter, Peter Zizzo, amazing. He was like responsible for Avril Lavigne's career for, for starters and I'm such a fan. But uh, he always tells our students, like you have to do morning pages. You have to wake up and just do a free association brain dump 
And that puts you in the mindset of a writer all day. Mm. So you might not come up with anything good while you're writing. Like don't pick up the pen for 10 minutes. Even if you're writing, I have nothing to say for 10 minutes. But then throughout the day, your brain is conditioned to hear tidbits of conversation and go, ooh, that's good. You know, and then I'm starting to take voice memos down and I'm starting to type in things in my little book throughout the day. So that's his trick. And I mean, he, he has to write every day, come hell or high water. He has no options, right? His trick is to just train your brain to be scanning the world for inspiration. And then you're just creating like a word bank and an idea bank throughout the day. So when you sit down to write, you have all these gems that you experienced throughout the day. I love that. When I've done that, it's worked great. I don't always remember to. That's so, that's so good. So, so basically like making it a morning habit, morning routine to one of the first things you do when you wake up is to brain dump. And that kind of, it's almost like going down a, a slope, like with a sled, how the more that you do it, it kind of starts to create this groove. And so um, throughout the day, you know, if you make that the first thing you do every day, it kind of creates this deeper groove. And then you start to really pay attention and notice other opportunities for, for writing, for writing songs. And it kind of goes down that, that groove. Ah, oh, that's so good. One, one idea that I'd like to kind of add to the mix too, in terms of a, of a prompt is asking yourself. And I mean, I think, I think this is something that you, you definitely would, would agree with. And I'm, and I'm sure that this is one of the things that, that you really dig into with like, you know, artist identity and kind of in, in pulling up ideas for, for songs and whatnot. Reflecting on your biggest struggles or your biggest challenges and specifically stories, especially stories where it's like you struggled with something and you overcame it. I think there's like a lot of emotional you know, emotional cues that you can dig into and that there tends to be like a feeling like almost like a, a radar or like a clue that you're on the right path is if when you think about something and it kind of comes up and it was like, I don't know, there's like, it's based like there's a certain amount of trauma around it, or there's a certain amount of emotion. And there's almost a sense of like fear of like, Ooh, like I, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could share that. I don't know if I could think about that. Or it's, or it's like vulnerable. And that that might be a clue or a compass to kind of be like, okay, that, that could be something to, to write about and to kind of um, to see what, what comes up. And, you know, to potentially, if not for you, to, to help other people who've gone through a similar, you know, trauma to be able to, to heal from that. Um, so it might be another idea to kind of throw in the, the data bank of prompts. The number one cause of writer's block is self-censorship. So that's the number one cause of it right there it is... I can't write about that because so-and-so will hear it and know it's about them. I don't want to tell this story because it's too vulnerable or because it's too personal or it's too much of a downer. I always write love songs. I want to write something upbeat. All of that, you need to write yourself through that stuff. So what I always tell people is, first of all, dare to suck, dare to write horrible. You got to write crap for 20 minutes before the good stuff comes anyway. So just do that. But I always tell people, write the thing you don't want to write about and plan on throwing it away. But if, you, if you're like, eh, nope, eh, nope, now you're editing while you're creating. So now your left brain is taking over your right brain and canceling everything out. So you have to write all of that stuff that you don't want to publish. You don't, no one has to know eventually you'll get somewhere, you know, and maybe you will use some of, you'll, you'll pick and pull and you can edit later, right? But the brain dump, to your point, Michael, like a lot of the magic absolutely happens when you get super real and super vulnerable. It's when you're connecting your words to your feelings and your real experiences that the magic really happens. And you can figure out what to share later, you know, and how to publish it another time. I love that, that's so good. Well, hey, uh, Melissa, it's been awesome talking with you. I've really enjoyed it. I've got like goosebumps several times I've been talking. We've gotten, we've gotten, uh, uh, we've gotten pretty, pretty profound on a few of these points. And, but I also, I feel like we also brought it back to, to earth and we really landed the plane. We talked about some really awesome specific strategies and techniques that people can, can take into account. So really appreciate you um, doing what you're doing and you know, creating these mastermind groups and helping artists to 
succeed with the thing that, that, that they're passionate about. I think it's awesome. So thank you for taking the time to be here today and to share some of the lessons that you've learned. And um, for anyone who's listening to this right now, who's interested in uh, learning more, connecting with you, where could they go to, to, uh, to get in touch? Sure. Probably the easiest is the website, which is mastermindroad.com. I'm Mel Mulligan on uh, Instagram. That's my personal Instagram. I have a business one too, but just reach out to me personally. That way I'll know that you came to me through this podcast. Yeah. Those are probably very simple ways to get in touch and to, you know, we can talk about goals or strategies or whatever. I'm happy to help. Awesome. Great, great stuff. And do you have any, um, any like free training, free workshop that might be a good place for people to go as well in terms of like, of diving deeper into some of these, these strategies that we're talking about? Yeah, for sure. I mean, first of all, if, you know, if you reach out and it makes sense to do a, a complimentary, you know, road mapping conversation, I'm all about that. It is like my favorite thing to do. And I carve out time every week to do those. So that's fine. Depending upon when you hear this, we often do run free events. Like right now, we're in the midst of a 10-day MMVS fest, we call it, where Mike Mangini and Peter and me and you know a whole bunch of experts are doing these free live classes on every type of creative or industry-related topic you can think of. So um, yeah, depending upon when you, when you hear this, there may be something else available, but reaching out is a good first step. Awesome. Beautiful. So we'll definitely, we'll put a link um, to the website in the description in the, in the show notes so that you can go check it out. And whenever you know, you're you listening to this, they'll probably have the updated versions of what events are, are available at that point. Yep, exactly. Cool. All right. Well, Melissa, thanks again. That was great having this conversation and I appreciate, appreciate what you're doing. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then I'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That, that really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.